Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for your patience. We were having some technical difficulty. Um, it's my pleasure uh, to call this meeting to order of the January 24th, 2024 City Council meeting for the City of Rancho Santa Margarita. Uh, I turn to my colleague, Council Member Ann Figueroa, to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Please Good evening, rise. everyone. Would everybody please stand so we can salute our beautiful flag? Ready, begin. Thank you very much. Ms. Diaz, would you call the roll? Mayor Gamble? Here. Mayor Pro Tem Here. Councilmember Beal? Councilmember Figueroa? Here. Councilmember Holloway? Here. Thank you very much. Schedule of future events, Ms. City Manager? Thank you very much, Madam Mayor and members of the City Council. This evening we have no events to announce, although we do have a holiday coming up in February that we will be closed on, on, on that day, and uh, we'll announce that at the next meeting. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is my favorite part of the program, presentations and proclamations. So item 2.1 uh, is the Orange County Fire Authority Behavior Wellness Program. It's an update by firefighter paramedic Wade Munson. And council members met Wade at the State of the City, uh, given by Mayor Holloway, and we invited, Wade was a big hit uh, for the State of the City. And so, Wade, we're going to have you come on down and uh, talk to us about Max, Pax, sorry, Pax, and um, yes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. Hey, Laura. Laura, can you remove the things? Yeah. And Wade, we really appreciate you coming this evening, and hey, we're uh, we're so supportive of the program that you're you're working with and leading at OCFA. I am very happy to be here. Well, Thank uh, you. Good evening, City Council members. Mayor Gamble, uh, community members of Rancho Santa Margarita, and to all of our first responders who showed up here to embarrass me. Uh, <laughs> my name is Wade Munson. I am a firefighter paramedic with the Orange County Fire Authority. Uh, I'm also the deputy director of behavioral health for the Orange County Professional Firefighters Association, uh, Local 3631. I'm here tonight to discuss behavioral wellness in the fire service and to share with you how uh, the Orange County Fire Authority and Local 3631 have joined together in order to make our program one of the more progressive programs in the nation. Come here, bud. Sorry, he's very excited. Hey, sit. Thank you. He's spreading the love already, <laughs> you right? know? Yeah. So I am a third-generation firefighter in uh, this county. Uh, my grandfather uh, worked as a volunteer for the city of Los Alamitos in the mm -hmm. 70s and the 80s. Uh, my father retired in 2017 after 33, 33 years of service with the Orange County Fire Authority, uh, and I've been on the job since 2015. Uh, so I have a really unique perspective on how issues have changed in the fire service across generations. 
uh, from cancer to tactics on the fire ground and spe specifically in uh, behavioral health. Uh, so if you look at the time that my grandfather was a firefighter, uh, the perspective in that time was that there are certain people that are designed specifically for this line of work. And that those people have the mental and physical fortitude to do this job, bar none. Um, during my dad's tenure and his job, uh, we started to get some concerning statistics back uh, about the interface between firefighters and behavioral health. So if you look at the statistics for firefighters compared to the general public, uh, you would see that firefighters have a much higher percentage of divorce, of broken families, substance abuse issues, uh, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and suicide. Uh, it's very concerning. And information comes in. A lot of times, change is really slow to happen. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of the times, it takes big events for things to happen to change things. Uh, we have had several events in our agency that uh, have really made our department and our uh, bargaining group uh, just really aware and proactive and really wanting to engage on getting our firefighters mentally well and fit. Uh, I can talk for hours about the heavy stuff uh, in the behavioral health landscape, but I am here tonight to talk to you about a really cool introduction to our department uh, that happened last year. Um, I don't know if I said it earlier, I am stationed over at Station 45 in Rancho Santa Margarita. I've been here for five years. Um, I run on the paramedic squad over there. So uh, in April of last year, uh, after two years of working with uh, the department, with our bargaining group, and with our peer support team, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to bring Pax, this little guy here, uh, into the fire department to serve as our first therapy dog. Uh, so Pax is a full-time Roomba, part-time therapy dog. Um, he comes with me every day to the fire station uh, in order just to bring some happiness to uh, just kind of the minutia of our job. So if you look at what our day looks like, it's pretty regimented. Uh, and a lot of the things that we see are not things that typical citizens are going to see every day. Um, oftentimes, you all may call 911 once or twice in your lives. We are going on eight, nine calls a day to respond to your worst day. And oftentimes for us, that takes a toll on us. Um, if you look at dogs in therapeutic environments, dogs raise your serotonin and your oxytocin, which lowers your blood pressure. It lowers your pulse rate. It makes you more externally focused and, and able to participate uh, in post-traumatic incident debriefings, uh, which is re really where we saw the utility of having Pax join our team. Uh, he was donated from a uh, nonprofit group down in Bonzel called Thor's Hope, which trains dogs specifically for broad use in the fire service. Um, you'll, you will start seeing nowadays, if you see brush fires on TV, uh, you'll see dogs at the base camp there. We have dogs uh, specifically for our department uh, for debriefings following traumatic calls. Um, that includes calls like the Cook's Corner event that happened last year. Um, and really what they're designed to do is to kind of bring people out of the moment, uh, bring our firefighters specifically out of the moment, and really uh, be able to engage in the conversation following a call to start reprocessing those traumatic visceral memories uh, into uh, the thinking portion of your brain, out of the fight or flight response into kind of the rest and digest response. Uh, since the inception of our program in April of last year, uh, PAX has been on over 40 debriefings and in individual uh, encounters with our membership. 
Uh, and we are really seeing a noticeable difference with having him in our station and in this city. Uh, so if you ever are driving off of Aventura and you see me walking him around, safely pull over if you want to. You guys are free to come and say hi. Um, but yeah, Pax is one of your first responders in the city. He's here to bring happiness to our firefighters to make sure that uh, our membership can be as physically and mentally prepared uh, to tackle the daily services for our community. Uh, we are really, really thankful to be able to tell you a little bit about that program. Uh, we're really thankful for the support of our city council people, for our JPA board members uh, in joining us in our approach to a more well fire service. Uh, and we look forward to uh, being with you for the next 30, 40 years. <laughs> thank you all for thank having you, us. Thank you I so much, Wade. Don't, don't disappear. I have some questions for you. Yeah. Don't, don't go away. Thank you so much, Wade. Um, at, the, at the approval of my council colleagues, uh, just for the public, um, the designated member for the city on the Orange County Fire Authority. So this program is so important uh, to me and to us because our worst days are a, a repeat all day long from car accidents to, you know, uh, children drowning. I mean, you, you guys see the worst of the worst all day long. And more and more of your calls are really 911 calls for emergency service and, um, and injuries and accidents and, you know, grandpa falling over, things like that. And so I've learned through the years, and actually I'm going to give my brother-in-law a lot of credit for this. Uh, he is a retired SWAT officer and uh, started as a police officer. And he said, you know, you can't unsee the things that you've seen just because your shift is over. And it takes a lot of um, decompression, and it takes a lot of awareness. And we can't keep this a secret anymore. And we can't not acknowledge that that is such an important part of uh, both doing the job well and then going home well. I think that's so important. So we're really delighted to have you here, Wayne. Wade, and um, so I have some PAX questions. Okay. So just so everyone knows, um, does PAX live with you? Yes. So mm -hmm. PAX is with me 24-7. Uh, so he comes mm -hmm. to the station with me. He goes to overtimes with me. Uh, he'll go home with go me. Go home with you, right. And then uh, mm -hmm. if we, because I'm, I'm, I am one of our peer support team leads, so I go to a lot of our debriefings. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm off duty, I'll come back in and uh, I'll bring PAX to help facilitate those. Uh, so he's with me 24-7. Right. How long did it take you and PAX together to train, and what kind of program was that like? So, yeah, so PAX uh, was initially sourced uh, at a uh, facility on the border to be a narcotics dog which he failed that program because he liked people and food too much. <laughs> uh, so the organization that raises therapy dogs... Kind of hard, kind of hard for right? him to be like a tough, tough dog, right? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, the organization that trains him actually had a dog that wasn't doing well on their therapy dog program. Uh, and uh, 
brought him over and they, they did a little dog swap. So mm -hmm. uh, it's a world-renowned dog trainer down there who does uh, obedience training for dogs. Um, the good thing about this program and these dogs specifically is they're not scent trained. They don't have to mm. do any... It's not uh, like the bombs are bomb-sniffing dogs or are, are accelerant-sniffing dogs. Okay. Nope. So they don't have to have any specific training in that. It's mm -hmm. just about general obedience and temperament. Mm -hmm. um, so he was sourced just because he's a lovable, friendly dog. Uh, I joined uh, with them uh, after some discussions with a couple different programs around to see what would be the best fit. Uh, we did about four months of training together. Uh, I was going to ask, did you have to do training? Oh, yeah. Because apparently Pax knows what he's doing. You know, so, oh, I mean, he was yeah. much more trained than I was when I started. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I went through that program, and uh, they just kind of taught me how to walk with him, how to engage with him, how to let him engage with other people. Um, but the really good thing about this, and, and like I said, with dogs in therapeutic environments, the biggest portion of that is them just being there and mm -hmm. just the ability to break away from the really regimented life that we have where we wake up early, uh, sit together, have our debrief of what the day looks like, go to the mm -hmm. gym, run our calls. Um, he's really able to be there to engage with us at the station level. When our families come, he can interact with them. It just kind of brings a, a, a sense of home to the station. I think it's fabulous. I, we're so happy to have you here. And if everybody in the audience wants to turn around, back along the back wall are some of our finest at OCFA from Station 45. So, And, and it, it truly is a family. So um, it, it makes sense that we have a family dog. Yeah, you know, right? Yes. So um, do I have questions or comments from council members? Thanks for being here, Wade. You mentioned, Wade. By the way, you mentioned how the dog lowers oxycont raises oxycontin levels and serotonin levels and lowers blood pressure. I have a chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why chihuahuas are not service dogs. But. No, I can't promise it across the board. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you if you ever want to subcontract packs, uh, we're here on the yeah. second and fourth Wednesday of every you know month uh, from 7 till whenever. He can come back here and keep us calm. So. We, we could always use it, but we is there something though. more that you can tell us that you might need in the program that we could help you with? You know, there. so I, I just joined uh, uh, the Orange County Professional Firefighter Association mm -hmm. uh, as our Deputy Director of Behavioral Health uh, about two months ago in November. Uh, we really saw a need just to be as, as on the front lines as we can mm -hmm. in terms of our behavioral health stuff. So... Uh, at this point, just having a supportive JPA board, uh, just and everybody wants to help the firefighters, especially when it comes to our mental fitness oh, or yeah. physical fitness, because it really enables us to help our communities uh, after or in the the day to day of our job. Um, so, I mean, I guess to answer your question, just continue being supportive because you guys have been wonderful on the behavioral health front, and it's something that we are uh, really satisfied with your engagement on. Oh, good. I'm happy to hear that. Thank you. Um, it's such an important program, and we value the work you, you've started, um, and you are a trendsetter, you know, for the nation, and so we're very proud of that. I'm really proud to see your colleagues out here, so thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate seeing you out here um, when it's not the worst day of our lives, so it's really nice to, to have you here and have your, your team support. Yeah. And really loved having you here tonight, Wade. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having us. And if anybody wants to follow Pax on social media, you can find him Pax the Fire Dog. So it's like Max with a P. Mm -hmm. Pax the Fire Dog. Uh, I, I keep calling him Max. On, or Pax posts stuff on there and talks. 
It's mm-hmm. a talking dog. It's fun. Does Pax uh, talk about his day and oh, you know, yeah. yeah, his favorite dog food? Okay. We love having our community members there. And uh, if you guys see us around, please say hi. Yeah, sure please. will. Thank you. Thank and you. thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you guys. Yeah. I don't know how you guys think, but I think you did really well. And I was all nervous having you here. And thank you so much for turning out. We really appreciate it. Um, I got so excited I lost my agenda, so sorry here. Um, Thank you so much. Next uh, presentation is item 2.2, the City of Hope, Orange County Services, uh, by Laura Grant, the Executive Director. Hi, Laura. How are you? Thanks for coming out. I love following a therapy dog. I know. I've been in healthcare my whole career, and therapy dogs Mm -hmm. are such a part of healing for the staff and the patients. So, yay, PAX. So, thank you for inviting me. Um, Again, I'm Laura Grant. I work for City of Hope Orange County. So, you've probably seen some of our billboards, buses, all sorts of things about being, being new in the county. Um, I wanted an opportunity to just talk to you about what we're doing because you're seeing some buildings, you're seeing what's happening here. Um, Donna's one of my favorite grateful patients. She is a patient advocate. She considers herself a fashionista, so she says she is fighting cancer one outfit at a time. (laughs) She's great. So you may not know this, but City of Hope is, you know that it's in Duarte, and you know now that we're in Orange County, but you may not know that we are the only National Cancer Institute based in California. So we're also in Phoenix, Atlanta, and Chicago. And that means we have access to cancer specialists all across the country. Our patients get the studies and everything done with probably 100 times more physicians and specialists, and our specialists specialize in specialties. They're they're so well-trained, and as you know, um, cancer keeps changing. The face of cancer changes. We would like nothing more to be put out of business. Honestly, we talk about it all the time. We'd like to eradicate cancer and go into some other some, something else. But as it is now, we are here. And when we talk about this, we are in the community, so you'll see outpatient, huge research. When you go on the Duarte campus, there are, it's, it's um, 111 acres, the Duarte campus. And you think about at least 30% of that is just research. That's all they do, research, try being able to do new trials, introduce things to patients, cutting edge. And we also have a biotech hybrid. And so you may have heard this, but now when you have cancer, you have an opportunity for the scientists and the physicians to figure out your unique gene code and create medication that actually produces cells that fight your unique cancer. So it's become so personalized in here, and we're making a really big difference with with patients. Right now, um, we have at least one in four patients are in clinical trials, which means it's uh, cutting edge. We're a trailblazer in CAR T cell, which is part of the stem cell transplant. And um, we have, uh, we are a uh, National Cancer Institute. After a cancer diagnosis. The illuminated entry point to life-saving cancer therapies and novel treatments often sought 
by the rest of the world. We are a dedicated team of more than 400 physicians and 1,000 scientists and researchers. We are cancer-focused, but human-centric. We are thousands of breakthrough discoveries. We are where cancer stops. And life keeps on getting lived. The future of cancer treatment is here. I love these doctors. I've worked in healthcare my whole career, as I mentioned. I've never been somewhere where the physicians give out their personal cell phones to patients. Everyone who works in healthcare does it for a good purpose. People who work in oncology do it because it's a passion. So we also, you know, something that, that not everyone does when you're in research and cutting edge, we wanted to make certain we broke down barriers about payers. So we provide care for Medi-Cal patients and Cal-Optima patients, patients who in many other places that provide cancer care would not be able to afford what we're offering. So we, we do know right now, the reason we built in Orange County is we had 4,000 patients a year in Orange County seeking treatment outside of Orange County for cancer. They were going to Cedars, to Duarte, to wherever. And for those of you and all of you experienced driving the freeways, imagine having chemo and then driving the 57 to the 5 down to San Clemente to go home. It's, it's miserable. And so us being able to be right here where Alton and Barranca, we're right across the street from the Irvine train station. And I always say that, and out the back, you can see the um, carousel of the spectrum. So I, that's very non-north, south, east, west, but it's a really good way for me to be able to tell where we are. Uh, we opened in August, August 22nd, 2022, a cancer outpatient center. It is now called City of Hope Lennar Foundation Cancer Center. They provided us a really huge um, donation that we appreciate more than they know. It's a 190,000 square foot building. It has every, I would say it's everything but a hospital. We have surgery, we have four different imaging centers, five different labs, 52 infusion bays, 64 exam rooms, and I could go on and on about what we do, but what we really wanted was a, a single place for our patients to go to where they could receive all the care that they needed. It's four football fields long. We do, we opened with research, we're continuing with research. We do supportive care, so when we're looking at PACs, um, having pet therapy is a part of this. So not only for our patients, but if you think about what our staff see every day and how hard they work, being able to have a dog to pet and to talk to when you're having a bad day is, is a huge piece. So we also um, do screenings. So preventative care is really important. And I don't know if everyone does that, but we are working really hard at identifying any patients out there who are deciding that they can push this off until they're 60 or 65. Early, on, early diagnosis is the best. This is what we're doing right now. So we are building a specialty hospital. And again, I've worked in healthcare for a long time. This is a 73-bed hospital. Most hospitals will not build if they're less than 200 beds. We are doing cancer only. We're doing solid tumors, and we're doing hematology, which is um, the um, stem cell and leukemia, and it's connected to the cancer center. And again, the reason we're doing this is because Duarte, our cancer hospital, is full. 
it's with all those research patients that not any hospital can take because you have to be aware of what the protocols are. Right now, our goal is that this is going to open in fall of 2025. This, this is my job of getting this open. So every day it rains, I am sad, and I am out there with blow dryers trying to dry off the cement. But we are, we are moving forward, and patients keep asking, when are we going to open? Through this. So one of the things we, we do talk about at City of Hope is there's really three things to remember when we're talking about cancer. Your first shot is your best shot when you're fighting cancer. And what we mean by that is if you or your family or a friend are given that terrible C word, cancer, which while it's scary, I no longer consider it a, a, a fatal diagnosis. We have people living 20, 30, 40 years now that never were before. But go to the experts. Look up online. See who does this kind of cancer. I'm not saying come to City of Hope. I'm saying do your research. Don't go necessarily because that's where the person diagnosed it. Go where this is what they do. This is the kind of cancer they fight. And then know your health risks. So one in three Americans will be diagnosed with cancer at some point. So I've had cancer. I had a tumor in my eye eight years ago. My nephew, who's 31, has cancer. My grandparents died of cancer. So needless to say, it's genetically in my, in my family. But know your risks. Um, I will say to the ladies in the back here, wear sunscreen. Do it now. So when I was young, it was baby oil and bake it until you get tan. And by the time you're 21, you have ruined your skin. And now my dermatologist is on speed dial. So please, please wear that. But know what your risks are. Stay on top of that. Do the screenings. And the best way to fight cancer is to prevent it. And the nice part is, as we are able to minimize the effects of cancer, we now are growing survivorship programs. People talking about that they didn't think they'd be around. So what's life like post-cancer? And we're excited that we have programs like that. So I kept it under 10 minutes for you. Do you, ha do you have any questions for me? Uh, questions from? No. Okay. Thank Laura, you I have two City of Hope stories for you. Okay. Um, the first is there's a beloved member of our community, which my council colleagues and probably every member of the staff knows, whose wife uh, was diagnosed with cancer about 10 years ago and was told that it's a stage 4C, you know, there is no stage 4D, and that it was fatal, um, and there was nothing that could be done. And she went to the City of Hope, and I just saw her last week, and we had a great time. And she was treated for a solid year at the City of Hope, and she, she and her husband drove from Rancho Santa Margarita to the City of Hope. And they, she has been in complete remission for over 10 years. Um, and we'll tell you a second story about my father-in-law. My father-in-law passed away at 97, uh, from a failure in the mitral valve of his heart. It wasn't cancer. But at 93, he contracted leukemia. And they said, oh, this is, this is big. You need to go to, you know, we need to send you to the City of Hope. So he had his cancer treatment at the City of Hope. And he uh, left cancer-free. And so his oncologist at the City of Hope has the bragging rights of saying, I have the oldest 
um, patient ever who um, I treated for leukemia, and he completely reversed it. He was in complete and total remission. It was gone. Um, and that's my two stories of the City of Hope. So thank you so much for what you do. You've, you've changed my life with my friends and my family, and we're grateful, grateful to that. We're so happy to have you in Orange County. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you for sharing your story. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Now I'm all teary-eyed, and <laughs> thank you. Oh, I really like this one. So, Mr. Mayor Pro Tem, would you join me down? Uh, um, Madam Mayor, if I may, I, I mm -hmm. would love to join you yeah. down there, but I am suffering from a pretty good cold. Oh, and so, okay. Uh, rather than shake the hands of all of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Uh, you guys don't want a cold, here. right? No. Right, okay. All right. Sorry. Raise your hand if you, want, if you don't want a cold, right? Okay, well, uh, then I'm going to go down with Amy, and we're going to do... manager to join me because we're going to do the certificate of recognition for the employee of the year. So this is a program that the city council came up with a few years ago and said, you know, it's really um, easy for us to pick our favorite employee because people are generally pretty nice to us because we work here. Um, but what happens if we ask the employees to select another employee as the employee of the year? So we started that program, or we asked for that program to be started, and I'm going to turn this over to our city manager who can describe it to you, and then we're going to introduce the employee of the year. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much. So the, the program has evolved a little bit, and every quarter our employees nominate or provide kudos to other employees in the organization, and it could be for anything. It could be for just being a... a having a great attitude, smiling in the halls. It could be the service that they've seen provided to a member of the community. It could be their their extra hard work on a project or just being diligent and empowering through a difficult project. And so every quarter they provide kudos and we, we tally them up and at the end of the year uh, there is a, a, an award to those with the most kudos or sometimes there's a, a runoff. We might have an election uh, regarding that and we vote for the employee of the year. It's not driven by management staff. It's not driven by the city council. It's driven by the employees themselves as they nominate and celebrate the good works of one another. Thank you. And this year's recipient is Mr. Ryan Shaw. Mm -hmm. Hi, Ryan. I am free of a head cold. Congratulations. Thank you very much. This is, uh, this is really exciting because... Um, I, I like the fact that your peers, you know, get to vote on this, and it makes everyone play nice together, I think. <laughs> and so I'm going to read uh, a, uh, the certificate to you. 
Uh, the city of Rancho Santa Margarita's employee recognition program recognizes employees who demonstrate outstanding service, performance, professionalism, and a positive attitude that makes Rancho Santa Margarita a premier municipality. So I'm going to come a little closer because I have pages to turn. They make it in nice big font so old people like me can read this. Whereas Ryan Shaw was hired as a community service specialist in October of 2021 and was quickly promoted to community services coordinator, assuming responsibility for challenging tasks, including working as the lead during the redesign of the community services RSM Connect page. Whereas Ryan worked with local businesses and residents on a variety of projects, including advertising and securing in-kind sponsorships. His bilingual abilities facilitate communications with customers, reserving space for uh, Kinson, I never get this right, Kinsonerias, Kinsoneras, and communication with Spanish-speaking residents. So I took four years of Spanish in college, and I probably should have taken the fifth, huh? Uh, <laughs> Ryan serves as the main point of contact for facility rentals by local homeowners association and the residents. Being well-versed in both audio and visual technology, Ryan ensures room re rentals and ballrooms are set up properly and often stays on-site to confirm all equipment and events run smoothly. Despite his increased duties, Ryan accepted the responsibility for in-house production of the city's community living magazine, resulting in significant cost savings to the community development department. By the way, if you live in Rancho Santa Margarita and you're not getting our community living program, um, please go on our website, cityofrsm.org, and we can get you, just give us your address or your email address. We send them electronically, and we also send them to you in the mail, and it tells you everything that's going on in your city. Ryan has consistently demonstrated exceptional skills in collaborating with other city departments. His versatility is evident in successfully spearheading various projects that have significantly contributed to the success of the, and growth of the community. Ryan, you are a skilled photographer and has captured several photos for use in the community's living magazine. They've been particularly beautiful since you've started this. Thank you. Furthermore, he recently expanded that skill into piloting aerial drones to obtain aerial photos of city events and facilities, like our summer concerts. Whereas the city council wishes to recognize and commend Ryan Shaw for his dependability, professionalism, excellence in customer service, and dedication to his role. Now, therefore, I, Carol Gamble, mayor of the city of Rancho Santa Margarita, on behalf of the city staff, my colleagues on the city council, and all 50,000 residents of the city are here to congratulate you tonight for this wonderful accomplishment. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. As the girls' golf team from Santa Margarita Catholic High School will soon come to realize, you begin to accumulate all sorts of certificates and recognitions and commendations. And so we call that wall swag. And so in addition to the 
uh, recognition from the city. We have a recognition from your assemblywoman, Kate Sanchez, and Kate wishes to congratulate you on this wonderful accomplishment. So look at this. This is high-quality wall swag, Ryan. I mean, now, now all your, you know, the rest of your family is going to be jealous. And we think it's wonderful that our assembly member, who actually has her office here in Rancho Santa Margarita, is so plugged into the community that she wanted to acknowledge you too. Thank you for all you do for the city. We really appreciate it. Oh, I'd like to bring your family up. Yes. The Ryan Shaw clan. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, it's nice. I'm good, I'm so busy though. I know. <laughs> I gotta go use hand sanitizer now. It's just a little germ factory. <laughs> so, uh, several years ago, in fact, I think it might be 20 years ago, Councilmember Holloway suggested that we have a program wherein each one of the schools in the city um, put forth two of their students each year uh, and recognize them for citizenship, accomplishments, sports, arts, uh, being a good all-around person and just exemplifying um, the, what the school stands for. So tonight we're honoring two students from the St. Junipero Serra Catholic School and I'd like to invite forward Principal Suzanne Edwards and Principal Julie Radzi. Hello, ladies. Welcome. So nice to have you here. It's nice Suzanne, to meet you. It's a pleasure. Oh, it's nice, nice to meet you, Julie. Nice. Such a pleasure. And so, this is an embarrassment. This is a hard job picking two out of all. How many students go to the school? Wow, 1,038. Yeah, like 1040, right? Like, just like your tax form. So, um, so you have to pick two out of the whole shooting match. Wow. So tonight, we're honoring Ace Christofferson and Bill Brook A and Jude Jawistowski. Zawistowski. Zawistowski. May I please have those students come forward? Thank you. So, Ace, I think we're going to talk about you first. So you can come over here. Where's Ace's family? Is that yeah, okay? It's the smiling here. folks in the front row. Okay. Oh yeah, they've been my grandma and my auntie. <laughs> yeah, so my you know what? Maybe we'll step over here so they get a better shot. You know, because they don't want they don't want to see me. They want to see you. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. 
And so, how's your day going, Ace? Good. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, mine too. This is pretty exciting. I mean, when you think there's 50,000 people that live here, holy cow, I know. And you're the man. So, Ace, you're a third grade student. Yep, how's, how's third grade? It's been a while since I was there. Like a little bit good and a little bit like, yeah. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. This is yes. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's how I remember third grade, too. <laughs> The, the small parts of it I do remember. So, Ace, you've been selected for recognition by the staff um, because you're the founder of the Ace of Hearts Project, a kid-driven nonprofit which helps children and senior citizens in the community. Wow. Ace and his 12-member youth board of directors write letters to children in hospitals, senior citizen homes, foster care facilities and orphanages worldwide, sending them hope and inspiration. I'm so darn impressed by you. I meet a lot of people. Whereas the Ace of Hearts Project hosts toy drives throughout the year, which provides gifts to children with special needs in foster care, orphanages, or in need of extra kindness each month. So my job is to tell you how truly phenomenal you are. And out of all the students in the third grade, they, they picked you, and I'm so glad they did. And so, Ace, um, as the mayor of the city of Rancho Santa Margarita, the whole shooting match, you know, I'm here to tell you that I stand, you know, with my city council colleagues and 50,000 people in this city, and we're here to honor you tonight and congratulate you on your really wonderful accomplishments. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, can you tell us how you got the idea for this? So it all started after uh, December 6th when I was in second grade. Mm -hmm. I was watching this movie of St. Nicholas and I want to be like St. Nicholas to deliver toys to people and I thought that sounded fun and so I want to deliver toys but Santa Claus job to do that so I decided to deliver toys to the foster care so they have toys to play with them to feel much better and I want to like do everything like do a lot of stuff so I did a other thing to give letter to the senior citizens so they can think about it and feel happy. Oh that's so cool. Yeah. You know, the whole city council's really senior citizens now, too. So, yeah. So, if people wanted to help you, like make a donation or bring new toys, is that something that we can help you with? Sure. Okay. And how do we do that? You can just tell my mom right Okay. There. All right. I knew, you know, I knew that was coming from a mile away. Right, right. there. Okay. And you can put yeah. your name on the phone because everybody is invited to the East of Heart Project. Oh, that's so cool. So what we might do is maybe have your mom not stand up in public on the microphone and give her <laughs> contact information, but maybe give it to the city clerk who will have it, you know, if anyone wants to make a donation or help you with your work. I think that would be cool. How, what do you think? Cool. Yeah. 
Okay, that's unanimous. Ace, we're so proud to have you here tonight. Thanks so much. I'm going to hand the mic to your teacher who's going to say some nice things about you. <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> well, I will say, <laughs> it's coming back to you. Um, I will say it is a, an honor to be ACES teacher this year. It has been um, quite a, a, a fun experience and a learning experience for me because we do have the philosophy of paying forward and doing things for others at our school and loving everybody no matter what their issues might be or what their needs may be. And so this program that he um, started along with his board members um, and your friends, um, I have a few of them in my class also. So um, our school uh, welcomed this program and we've been doing it. We did a bunch of letters to send to the um, senior citizens for Christmas. Mm -hmm. So they wrote Christmas letters and um, we we really encourage that as, as um, his teachers and his school who support him. So um, we just look forward to more projects this year because he's a, he's a great guy um, with the best heart, best heart. So. So I'm going to catch you guys for the whole group, but then I'm, Ace, I'm going to have you stand here, All right? Okay. Hey, Jude, how you doing? And I'm going to talk to Jude. Come on up. Hey, Jude. Yeah. How's your day? Oh, it's been pretty good. Is it picking up? Yeah. Yeah, mine is. Yeah. Okay. And, and where's your family? Right there. Okay. All right. So we're in, right here. You're in the prime spot. You got the lighting on your face. It's good. So Jude. We're so happy to have you here tonight, and, you know, I get to see, you know, a lot of young people come through here, but um, Sarah Catholic just brings some really, really wonderful students, so I'm not surprised. Um, you're an eighth grade student, right? I don't re even remember eighth grade, ma'am, but, so how's eighth grade going? It's hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's where it gets real hard, right? Yeah, it's kind of... You have to know stuff. <laughs> Math is... Yeah. Uh, well, you've been selected for recognition you know, from the staff at the high school. You're the... Or Sarah Catholic, you're, you're the guy. <laughs> and so uh, they tell us that you are an outstanding young man. You're mature, and you relate well to your peers and adults alike. I can see it, because I can feel it. Right. So, Jude is strong academically, and is always willing to help when asked. For the past two years, Jude has participated in St. Sarah's morning broadcast. Jude is actively involved on campus where he's been a part of the morning broadcast for the past two years. Wow. Sorry, page turn, big print. Jude is considerate of others and puts his faith above all else. He's actively involved in his parish, including being an altar server. Overall, Jude stands out as a young man with great character. And you know what my dad always said? You can teach skills, but you can't teach character. And so when I read that, I thought about my dad. And so now, as the mayor of the city of Rancho Santa Margarita, on behalf of my city council colleagues, our city staff, 50,000 residents here, we're here to congratulate you and honor you 
for your wonderful achievements, and we look forward to having you back here soon. Thank you. So, so, what do you talk about in your morning? Uh, we talk about a lot of things. We usually just go through like the day, like if there's anything coming up, we usually start off with a prayer. Um, we talk about the gospel for the week. Um, yeah, it's a lot. So we have we have a man in Rancho Santa Margarita, um, and he's called the voice of Rancho Santa Margarita, and he emcees a lot of our events that we have here. And, you know, we're all not getting any younger. So, you know, we're looking for some fresh new blood. So, you know, keep up the good work because, yeah, we'd love to see you there. Now, in addition to uh, the City Council Certificate of Recognition, our Assembly uh, member, Kate Sanchez, uh, who has her office right here in Rancho, has also provided a certificate to you. So you, too, are accumulating wall swag. I believe that both of you are going to be accumulating a lot of wall swag, you know, by the t- you know, in your life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have um, your parents begin to come up, and then I'm going to hand the mic over to um, our, our uh, principals, and they're going to say some really nice things about both of you guys. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says, yeah. And um, then we're going to take a picture with your family. So family members, please feel free to come up. We'd love to have you in the picture. This is a family town. Hi, I'm Carol. Valerie, it's a pleasure. Bob, hi. It's a pleasure. Yes. You must be a proud mom. I can see that. I like. Oh my gosh. Hi. Hi. Hey, Taylor. So we're gonna we're gonna have you. Guys. Look at you! Look at you! I'm gonna have you come out here. Yeah. There's something missing in my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi. <laughs> Grandma, you've been paged. Yeah. And you know we're gonna we'll we'll take pictures and video. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You guys are doing such a great job at this. So I'm gonna have you. Yeah, we're gonna have you hold your certificate just like that. Don't cover your handsome face. We're going to have you do that. Okay. Ellen, are you Wonderful. Complete, do you want to go? <laughs> so before you sit down, I'm going to hand this to the principal. And we'd love to have... A few words. Thanks no, no, so much. she wanted a picture. Oh, great. I'll, uh, I just am going to say a couple words. I'm new, but let me tell you, inspirational comes to mind when speaking about both boys. Um, but Ace is inspirational to just at our school community for him to want to start his own little foundation to bring happiness and joy to those that probably need it most, but to everyone. And to have the heart to want to put smiles on the faces of not only little children, seniors, everyone that might just need a little spark of inspiration or um, a, a warm 
hug, a toy to play with, but a nice, lovely letter. Um, it's great. And the best part is, is he's spreading that not only in the our school community, the wider community, and bringing his friends on board and his little foundation that he has. And they have meetings, and they talk about what they want to do and what they want to develop. It's great because it inspires his friends to know that they can do big things um, out there. So and I'll let Ms. Radzai talk about or Congratulations, Ace, of course. You're welcome, sir. Well, it's always a pleasure to come every year and just honor students that we think are fabulous Sarah students. Um, it's just a, it, it's very special to us. So um, we're very, very proud um, tonight to honor Jude Zawazowski. He is the last of the Zawazowskis that we've been blessed enough to have at St. Sarah. He's got two older brothers, one here and one in Hawaii, who's playing baseball. So, um, you know, it's just an attribute and a, and a testament to um, both Alan and Lisa for being and incredible parents and Jude has just got like he said not only is he just an anchor at Sarah as far as starting our morning broadcast out and getting our entire Sarah community on point every morning but just being a light on the campus um, you know it's one thing to express your faith um, within your parish but to be able to do it with your peers especially in middle school um, at a school level is something that is above and beyond and he definitely exemplifies that um, so we are just really, really blessed and proud of him and all of his attributes that he has. And um, yeah, so we are just blessed. So thank you. Thank you so much. And we really appreciate um, all the family being here. And we appreciate um, how you're growing up and developing. And we look forward to seeing you in high school. I'm sure we will. And Ace, we're behind you 100%. G give him heck. And thank you so much. And you, we're so proud of you. We're so proud of you in Rancho Santa Margarita. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. No more pleasure. Oh, thanks. Open up a line. And Brad's the guy with the head cold, you know. I feel like the Ginsu knife guy on TV. Like, but wait, there's more. <laughs> um. Ah. Tonight we're pleased to recognize the following students. So please come forward as your name is called from the Harris Creek um, sorry, Harris Creek Elementary School. I'll have Principal Andrew Klinkenberg and staff if they're present, and we are honoring Hamid Koghaz. Koghaz? Okay, thank you. Come on up and come on up, and Natalie Russell. Mm -hmm. How are you? Good. It's a pleasure to have you tonight. So we're going to do ladies first. Where's your mom and dad? Uh, right there. Okay. The, the, the people with the big smiles, <laughs> right? So we're yeah. going to have you right here, right? Yeah. Okay. This is good because if I stand there, they're going to see like half of your head, <laughs> right? So, hey, how's your day going? Um, pretty good. Yeah. Mine too. Thanks. And so this is a big deal. I mean, wow. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. 
You knew you were coming, right? They didn't, yeah. they didn't do something like, hey, we're going to take you to McDonald's and then no. bring you to a city council meeting. Okay. Because no, no, no. they've done that to me before. Oh. <laughs> Natalie, you're in fifth grade, and you've been selected for recognition by the staff at Harris Creek Elementary School. And Natalie, you are described by your teacher as an excellent scholar. And Natalie contributes to others through her involvement in the student council and being a school ambassador. Why well, you're on the student council? Yes. Yeah, because we're aging out, so you know, get get ready. Yeah. Uh, not only does Natalie excel academically, she participates in theatrical productions, basketball, the soccer team, and Natalie. The staff says that you are hardworking, kind to all, and you be, can be counted on to do the right thing. Because sometimes the right thing is hard to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, so my job, on behalf of my city council colleagues and all 50,000 residents in the city and the staff, is we really want to recognize you and celebrate you for this wonderful accomplishment and achievement. You're the only young lady that's up here on behalf of your school tonight, and that's a pretty big deal. So thank you so much. We look forward to watching you as you go through the school system here, and I have a feeling I'm going to see you again someday. Congratulations, Natalie. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to have you stand right here. Hi there. How are you? Good. Yeah. I'm sorry, I went out. I went out of order here. Now, where's your mom and dad? Right over there. Okay. So we're in the prime spot right here. Hey, I like your kicks. Andrew, wow. Andrew, it's so nice to meet you. I got the wrong, oh, I'm sorry, Andrew. Okay, Hamid. Hamid, are you doing any work with senior citizens and, you know, you know, dementia and all that sort of stuff? Okay, we'll find somebody to help me out later. But tonight's about you. How's your day been going today? Good. Getting better? Yes. Okay. Is your mom and dad really proud of you? Yes. Yeah, I can tell they're just, you're, they all look, yeah. They look like they're auditioning for a toothpaste commercial, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and we love that. So, Hamid, I'm sorry I messed up your name. I, I messed up the whole shooting match here, didn't I? Hamid, you're a fifth grade student. Hmm. And you've been selected for recognition by the staff at the Teharis Creek Elementary School. Hamid, you are described as a model student who, being rec who is being recognized for your many positive character traits. You know what my dad said, you can teach people stuff, but you can't teach character. Hamid not only excels academically, he's also an outstanding student athlete, the co-president of ASV, and always has a cheerful demeanor. Most importantly, Hamid is a tremendous leader who can take on a formal leadership role. But moreover, he leads by example of positivity, persistence, and kindness. And you know, that's being a leader, you know, in the fifth grade, that's kind of an unusual 
talent that you have. So I can see why they have recognized you. Good pick. Yeah, yeah. So well, my job tonight is on is delivering the message of how proud we are of you. And on behalf of my colleagues on the city council, the city staff, all 50,000 residents of the city, we're so proud of you for being an outstanding student to Harris Creek. And we're going to really enjoy seeing you back here because you'll be an outstanding student in intermediate school and high school. So we're going to, we have a feeling. We know these things. So congratulations, Hamid. So I'm going to invite the families up for your toothpaste commercial audition. And <laughs> please come up, family members, friends of the family. Feel free to take pictures. We'll take pictures. And you know, if you leave uh, the city clerk your contact email or something, we'll send you an email. And we're going to give the microphone to you next at the end of the photos. Hi, congratulations. Hi. I'm the proud mom. Oh, you look so great back there, ladies, smiling. I saw you a mile away. Hi. Congratulations. Hello, hello. It's going to end badly. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Yes. You didn't hand this to you. Andrew. Andrew. Yeah, why don't uh, Hamid and uh, Natalie stay up here? Yeah, we are from Harris Creek. We are the public school. I don't know if you know, uh, we're on the corner of Impresa and Antonio, right next to the baseball park. So that is our little school there. However, we talked about comfort animals and feeling good with packs. I, these are my joy animals. They bring me joy, right? So I can always count on Natalie to, to give me a conversation and talk to me about what daily events. She's very inclusive, invites people to be part of the program, part of the plan, part of the actions, willing to do what it takes. You know, she's a leader throughout the campus by her actions, by her smile, and so cheerful to do it. Hamid, same thing. He is a guy that always has a smile on his face. Yes. We could, Crest would make big bucks on these guys. Um, and Hamid, Hamid leads. He is, he is a, by example, he, he includes people and he uh, works with those that need that extra support. And he does it with a smile on his face and his willingness to participate in anything that we need. We have a recycling program. He, they participate in recycling. We talked about ambassadors. And ambassadors is where we welcome our kiddos that are coming, our younger kiddos coming onto the campus, getting dropped off at school and, and going home, picking them, walking with them, talking with them, providing a little comfort. So these are my, my joy joy friends, joy, I don't know, joy comfort animals, I don't know. But anyway, I'm very proud of them. I'm very happy to have them. And I am so glad that they are Harris Creek Tigers. Thank you.
But wait, there's more. So remember we talked about the assembly member, Kate Sanchez, and her office is here in Rancho Santa Margarita. But she, Kate Sanchez, our assembly member, you're never going to believe this. She not only serves our area, but she is responsible for an area across the mountain on the other side. So this woman has a very large territory, and she knows about you guys. And so in your, in your wall swag is a certificate from our assembly member from Sacramento, Kate Sanchez. So she sends her best to you. She knows about you. She's watching you, too. So you keep up the good work. I think they're the joy posse. I think so. Okay. And thank you so much, and congratulations. We'll give you a handshake here. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. There we go. Oh, boy. Wow. Talk about swag. Yeah. You know it's serious when you can wield uh, swag and, and actually injure somebody. Yeah. So what we have here tonight is the Santa Margarita Catholic High School Girls Golf Team 2023 CIF state champions. Ladies, we're so proud of you. So what we're going to do, we have a certificate for each one of you. And I'm going to read this. And then the city clerk, I'm going to call your names. And the city clerk, uh, Miss Amy, has a certificate for each one of you. And I'd like you to come up here. So the Rancho Santa Margarita. Rancho Santa Margarita is a planned community, of course, with 50,000 residents, and organized youth sports are an integral part of the social fabric and daily life for thousands of residents. The city is very supportive of these sports programs because they bring families together and teach participants many important life lessons. The Santa Margarita Catholic High School girls golf team consists of very talented athletes whose dedication and passion for the sport is evident through their hard work outstanding sportsmanship, community spirit, and your great success. The Santa Margarita Catholic High School girls golf team began their season in August 2023 as the reigning 2022 state champions and embraced the challenge to defend their title, taking the 2023 season by storm. The Santa Margarita Catholic High School girls golf team kept winning until the very end, winning a tiebreaker at Poppy Hills Golf Course in Pebble Beach. To that's a hard course. To capture the 2023 California Interscholastic Federation State Girls High School Golf Championship for the second straight season in a row. Not the first time, the second straight season in a row. So now there are, therefore, I, Carol Gamble, Mayor on behalf of the City Council and the City of Rancho Santa Margarita, congratulate and recognize the players and coaches of the Santa Margarita Catholic High School girls <laughs> golf team on their outstanding sportsmanship and athletic achievement. Congratulations, ladies. So tonight, I'd like to have the head coach, Jill Hegna, come forward, assistant coach, Brooks Kern. Hi, Jill. Oh, 
Oh, my pleasure. Congratulations. Oh, my pleasure. Okay, now we're gonna we're going in alphabetical order. Giselle Amari. Yeah, Giselle. Taryn Cagle. Hi. Congratulations. Lee Chen. Yeah. Jennifer Don. Monica Ko. Lauren Lee. Fiona Liu. Veronica Mann. Grace Chien. Emily Song. Angelina Tao. Donina Joe. Well, this is really fantastic. So, hey, who was the toughest team you girls played against this year? Troy Pines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who has been on the team the longest? Taryn. Yeah. Are you seniors? I'm junior. Junior? Okay. Junior too. Oh, good. We got one more year with you. Yeah, that's great. Um, who eats the most pizza? Emily, yeah. <laughs> Emily's not here, is she? Oh, you're, yeah. You eat the most pizza? Wow. Threw her under the bus like that, didn't you? No, I'm only kidding. Mm-hmm. She eats your leftovers? Well, Emily, I'd like to know how you pull that off because, you know, that's, you, you know, you don't look like you eat somebody's leftovers. So uh, who here, so when you do a golf tournament like this, do you as a team compete against another team, or do you as individual players compete against other individual players? And the reason I ask is I was a tennis player in, in high school and college, and so you played a certain position, and you had a match against the opposing team's person who played in that certain position. So, yeah. Hello, Lee. They say that you're knowledgeable on every single question I'm going to ask you. <laughs> Oh. Okay. Oh, so yeah. you, you may you may play against one other player on the opposing team plus the the whole team score against yes. their team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you a senior? Yes. Are you going somewhere to play golf? Yes, I'm going to Stanford to play golf. Wow! Congratulations, Lee. Yes, that's great. Do we have any other seniors here? Hi. How are you, Monica? Are you going to go play golf? No. No, you're going to go rest. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> you take a well-earned break. Congratulations. So, ladies, we're so darn proud of you. And we're not only proud of you, but your parents are proud of you. Um, and so we also have uh, our assembly member, Kate Sanchez, from the 71st District, is so proud of you. In addition to the certificate of recognition from the city, uh, Assembly Member Sanchez is starting your wall, well, probably adding to your wall swag collection, I think, by now. And uh, we're so proud of you. So I'm going to hand the mic over to Coach, and you can tell us a little bit about the team and how they kick serious butt. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thank you to the City Council, all of you, um, for acknowledging and welcoming us tonight. Uh, this is a huge honor, and we're very, very appreciative. Uh, especially this gentleman behind me, Mr. Holloway. We, uh, he, was my, he was the head dean at Santa Margarita for years, my boss. Um, we truly miss you, Jerry. So come back and come see us anytime. Uh, anyway, the season was phenomenal. As um, you stated, we were state champions last year in 2022. 
And so we thought, okay, we had a target on our back, definitely this year. Everybody wants to beat us. And so I said, yeah, we just need to embrace this, which they did. Um, we went undefeated um, and just took it to a whole new level. This is a team and individual sport. So the girls recognize that they basically have to keep their, check their egos at the door and really come together as a team and bring out the best in each other, which is what they did. Chemistry was phenomenal, which is why we were su su successful. So anyway, they, they did. We went, we traveled up uh, to uh, Pebble Beach, played uh, Poppy Hills. It was an exciting day. Um, we ended up tying with Torrey Pines High School. Uh, we put, you play six girls and you score five out of six. And the five scores were a tie on both sides. So they went to the sixth player, and our sixth player um, was the winning score. Who was the sixth player? Uh, Veronica, she's actually in China right now. So, <laughs> so yes, that was uh, pretty exciting. It was very stressful for Coach and I, um, definitely, <laughs> and the parents. Uh, but it was very exciting. Yes, in fact, uh, we have our co-captains, Lee Chen, who's a senior, and she's the one that will be attending Stanford. And her co the other captain is Taryn Cagle, and Taryn just committed to Notre Dame oh, to play golf. Wonderful. Yes. Will you guys ever play, like, against each other? Oh, great. Well, that's what that'll be and, and Lee just got invited to the Augusta National Women's Amateur Championship. It, if any of you know that, that's a huge, huge invitational. It's the week right before the uh, Masters at Augusta. So you'll see her on TV, Lee. Good luck. We're going to have fun watching you. Yes, I'm going to have them hold it. This is the... This was the first one. Well, we won Trinity League five years in a row undefeated, so that was huge, too. The next step was we won CIF, Southern Section, Division One. I. I didn't bring those. This was the first year we won CIF. This one, I want to show this one. This is, yep. That's the Southern Regional Championship. That's all of the schools, half of Southern California. The three team, we won that, and three teams advanced to the state championship. So that was our team, Torrey Pines, and Walnut. Walnut. And then the state championship trophy, which is a beautiful trophy. Uh, I made sure to share it with, uh, I got photo ops with all my grandchildren before I had to turn it into athletics. <laughs> so um, it's very special. But each one of these girls contributed definitely throughout the season. Um, and very, really, very, very proud of them. That's wonderful. Thank you. So I'm going to invite my colleague, Council Member Holloway, to come down because he is uniquely familiar with the achievements of this group. So do you, are there any freshmen on the team? Oh, yes. Yes, right really? Here, oh, wow. Right oh, when, fantastic. Right fantastic, wow. Really accomplished. And so, Council Member Holloway. Let me just say something here while they're taking pictures of this great group. All of you here probably have competed in sports at some level or been part of a team. Just to give this a little more perspective, State of California has the largest number of high schools in the United States 
per state. There are 1,300 high schools in the state of California. 1,300, it's 1 1.6 million kids in the state of California, largest number of, of high schools in the state. This team never lost a match. So you're looking at probably the very best team in the United States. Let's hear it for these group of coaches and this team. That's a, it's an amazing accomplishment. That's great, stay down here, stay down here. Don't run away, you're not in witness protection. Come right down here, yeah. So I'm gonna invite up uh, parents. If uh, you like to take a picture, be in the picture, we're happy to have you with the team. We can, you, you call the ball. Jerry, I'm so glad that you spoke. I had no idea that they were undefeated for five years, five seasons in a row, Jerry. That's, that's pretty amazing. And so. Next item on our agenda is public comments. This is your time to address the city council on any matter not listed on this agenda that's within the subject matter jurisdiction of the city council. Public comments are limited to three minutes per person. 
and a time limit total of 15 minutes for the segment of public comments portion of the agenda. So my first speaker is Carrie Prentice. Hello, Ms. Prentice. Good evening, Good evening, Mayor and Council members. My name is Carrie. Um, I am a parent, and I've been a resident of RSM for 10 years. Um, a few hours ago, unfortunately, I received a very concerning and shocking email from the Boys and Girls Club that they are no longer welcome within the bell tower here after June, the end of June this year. Um, I'm really disappointed, and I learned that um, the board last week voted on this here, so they voted to kick out the community's Boys and Girls Club from the Bell Tower, and it's supposed to be replaced with a museum. Um, the museum that would cost $300,000 of our taxpayers' money, it's limited hours. It's only open four hours, Monday through Friday, when most adults are at work and most children are at school. Um, and I quote from an article in the OC Register that it would serve as a passive space throughout the year. While the Boys and Girls Club it serves the community and the residents of RSM as an active space that's open five days a week and is a necessity for the RSM children and families here. I just want you guys to know like what that impact has for this community and this city, and especially the children. So the Boys and Girls Club, they provide hot meals for these children every day, education support, whether that's after school tutoring for reading, math, STEM learning, leadership opportunities for children that may not have that outside of their home, mental health services, sports, they received donations for school supplies, they even were given gifts for Christmas time for them and their, their entire families, um, just so everyone had something under the tree and they were brought joy. Um, and the list goes on for what that, that club provides for this, this community. Um, it's a safe and reliable space in the perfect location central to all the 14 schools within Rancho Santa Margarita. 100 kids attend the club per day. It would be more kids if we had more transportation, honestly, um, after school. And it's a safe place for anyone from 6 to 18 years old within the community and just a stable environment that they can count on after school. Um, this is a place that is a must-have for low-income families who depend on a space for their children after school and for their well-being overall. But it's also a must-have for all other income class families. Um, as middle class and even upper class residents are struggling to stay afloat with everything going on with inflation, rising costs in goods, as prices have actually grown 19% since 2020. Um, the club has had a 12-year partnership within this city and have been really successful. They've delivered great youth development programs over those 12 years for these kids. Um, so just wondering your thoughts on why this decision was made and how this can um, potentially be solved and maybe we can figure out a different way and solution to have those museum archives showcased within the building. Um, so our solution would just be, you know, you could have a digital archive online where everyone can access those um, artifacts online 24-7 um, at their own leisure. Or you could have some of the artifacts in the hallways of the bell tower or something like that. Um, for the club, just pulling their space is a huge deal. As that's a huge financial fund that they're going to have to find on their own and they're purely donation-based. Um, on top of this, I hear that um, the funding of donation to the club itself from Rancho Santa Margarita is going to be pulled as well, which is $120,000. So 
this is a huge deal. Um, my son personally goes there. Um, and I feel like the actions are just speaking really loud without having a say from the parents and the residents within this community. Um, it doesn't represent how we feel. And so I'm just pleased asking you guys to rescind your decision of kicking them out and keeping your funding with them as well so that we can provide and give back to this community. Thank you very Thank much, you. Ms. Prentice. And um, I have to say that the entire reason why we have public comment is to hear from our residents like you. I want to thank you for taking your time thank because you we, we learned from you. Yeah. And, and thank you very much Appreciate for being it. here tonight. Thank you. Uh, my next, our next speaker is Ms. Ms. Myrna Kemp. Hello, welcome. Hi. Hi. Hello, Ms. Gamble. Hello, council members. Um, my name is Myrna Kemp, and I've been a resident of RSM for over 10 years. I have two children. Um, my daughter actually just started at the public school system, and my son will soon uh, start kindergarten there. And at the beginning of this school year, it was really difficult for me to find after-school care. Previously, my children were in private school. Um, unfortunately, the after-school services at Tribuco Mesa and Cielo Vista, they do fill up, and there was a wait list at the beginning of the school year. So my only saving grace at that time was the Boys and Girls Club. And what I learned through my experience at the Boys and Girls Club is that it's actually very affordable care. And it was my backup plan so that I can continue being a working mom and support my family at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so what I'm asking from you is to please reconsider the decision to kick the Boys and Girls Club out of the bell tower in addition to reduce the funding for them and consider you know, other solutions to bring this museum. I understand that the history of RSM is very important. Um, however, you know, providing care for 100 students here in RSM that a lot of them are low income is also very important because, as you, can, as you know, uh, cost of daycare averages over $1,200 a month here in California. The cost of the Boys and Girls Club for the entire school year was $130. So that is going to be an added expense every single month for the families that do leverage the Boys and Girls Club, and it is going to be very impactful for the day-to-day -day of RSM residents. Um, so I'm, I'm asking, you know, for that decision to be really reconsidered and potentially rescinded if no other solution for the museum is, you know, available. Thank you so much, Ms. Kemp, and thank you for taking your time to come out and talk to us. Uh, your comments are important, and, and we heard them. Okay. You have two kids, boys and girls? Um, well, my daughter is here. She, she went to the Boys and Girls, but now she's at the TLC. Mm -hmm. And I actually have my son. He's at the Mon Montessori that's local here. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she went to the Montessori for a while. And this was my first experience, you know, like moving them to the public school system. And it was very eye-opening trying to get after-school care. And honestly, like, having the Boys and Girls Club really was a sigh of relief to me. And, you know, my family was able to do that with no additional cost, which it was, you know, a really big relief for us. So Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being here tonight. Thank you. And taking your time to talk to us. Thank you. My next our next speaker is Alex Felthaus. Hi Alex, welcome. Alex is a family name. Everyone in my family has Alex in their name. That's great. Yeah. So welcome. Um, thank you. Mm -hmm. So I'm also here for the Boys and Girls Club as well. 
my name is Alex Feldhaus. Uh, I moved here to RSM from Orange 11 years ago to start a family, basically. Uh, I'm raising three children here. I currently have two kids at Cielo Vista, and I have one that's just getting ready to go to preschool. Um, as with the others that just previously spoke before me, I heard today that the Boys and Girls Club is going to lose their space in lieu of uh, putting a museum in. And uh, I'm curious uh, why we're doing that. <laughs> um, uh, there's so few options for us right now as working parents. Um, the Boys and Girls Club is definitely the most affordable. It's the most convenient for the Saddleback Elementary students. We have YMCA as well, but that's for more of the Capo kids. Um, here are the Saddleback kids. Uh, they have Boys and Girls Club, TLC, and uh, I believe the third one was um, Kinder Care. And I got two kids, right? I got a mortgage. I got all this stuff. Um, I don't really have extra $1,000 a month for childcare. Now, it is my fault I had the kids, right? But um, Boys and Girls Club, it's good use of public funds, I think. Um, it offers a space for not only the kids, but the teens as well. That's the big one, is the teens don't get to go anywhere else. That's the only place for them. It's either that or they go cruise around on the street. I and mean, you, know you know what they do when they do that. Um, the other thing about the Boys and Girls Club that's cool is they, um, you know, young adults get leadership opportunities, right? The ones that are leading the kids. You know, they can develop bonds and learn leadership skills for the future as well. Um, but the most important thing is it's just like a safe space for them all to be. Uh, I just don't understand uh, how a museum that's open four hours a day during the times where parents are at work and kids are at school is, is really beneficial. Um, and that's really all I had to say. I just wanted to come out and talk for the kids because they can't talk for themselves. I appreciate that. We, we appreciate you coming and helping us understand. Thank you for your yeah. time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. I'm going to mess up this person's name, and I'm going to apologize sincerely in advance. Uh, our next public speaker is AK. Welcome, AK. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor and the council members. This is my first time coming for a meeting like this. I. Uh, well, you're welcome here. Thank yeah, I'm you. Glad to, we're glad to meet you. So we moved to RSM uh, one year, nine months back, and this is one of the second best decisions of my life, I think, to bring my, you know, move my family here. First decision being marrying my wife. So I tell her. <laughs> uh, but the reason I'm You just here, made Mrs. AK a very happy woman, <laughs> yeah. The reason I'm here is, you know, as other parents have mentioned, right, is the same topic about Boys and Girls Club. So my son um, goes to Boys and Girls Club not every day, but some days, few days a week, and he's on autism spectrum. And we do therapy for him, and we do multiple things for him, different programs. But, you know, when he goes to Boys and Girls Club, he's happy. He gets to meet diverse kids over there, especially older kids that he interacts with. He gets to learn from them, right? When he's in school, he 
interacts with only kids from his class, his age group, mm. whereas at Boys and Girls mm -hmm. he gets to meet you know, kids which are older than him. He learns from them and he's got to learn. He wants to get into someone, you know, he, made, he made friends, he wants to get into coding, he wants to do some you know, coding video games and stuff like that. So it's, and, and we also have done summer camps at Boys and Girls Club in last summer and they've done all these different programs for, the, for him and because he's in on our special needs, they, they really take good care of him, right? So the reason I'm here is same thoughts as other parents where you know, we are concerned that if the funding has been removed, if, the play, if they don't get this place to, you know, to stay there, it's going to affect a lot of families. And it's very concerning for us as residents of RSM. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much for your comments and for taking your time to come out tonight. We appreciate it. Well, here's a familiar face. Ethan Murray from Senator Blake Spears' office. Hi, Ethan. How's it going? Hey, it's going well. How are you? Congratulations. Thank I you. I have not seen you since you were Since we were pouring mayor. beer together at Rancho Fest, baby. Exactly. Yeah, pouring uh, it or wearing it, one or the other. <laughs> hey, welcome. Well, it's good to see you guys. I, in lieu of a, the normal legislative update, I will save that for next meeting, okay. I do want to recognize the outgoing mayor, Mayor Holloway, um, with the certificate of recognition. Those are going around tonight. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to recognize your leadership over the last year on behalf of Senator Blakespear in the California State Senate and your commitment and passion for Rancho Santa Margarita is evident in your long history of public service but also your state of the city, your uh, centering of others that really lead in this community as well, your centering of public safety officials, the history, um, the founder of the city, um, the senator, and I both really appreciate your leadership. So on behalf of the senator, can I present you this? So actually, Jerry, why don't you go down, and Ethan, and maybe we can get, I lost Laura. Laura, if we can, yeah, we'll have you come into the well. How's the senator doing? She's great. Yeah? We are in the process of introducing a very uh, strong bill package. Yeah? You're a little busy, right? Yeah. We, mm -hmm. we appreciate you coming out here tonight. Yeah. Wait a minute. Let me get out of the back. Hey, Ethan, thanks so much. And let's get a round of applause for our outgoing mayor. Mm -hmm. And tell the senator we said hi, and thanks for, for spending some time with us tonight. Thank you. Our next speaker is Chris McLaughlin. Would you like to speak um, on 4.7 or on this item? I'm sorry. OK, so very sorry. Our next speaker is Mike Ebel. Hi, Mike. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks. Good to see you guys, Mayor, Council. Thank you. So I'm here in support of the Kids Club. I don't know why the funding was pulled, but everyone was blindsided. Uh, when I worked here at the building, that place was always packed with kids. Uh, everyone's having a good time. Um, 
The city is flush with money, as far as I can tell, is 30, minute, 30 million in reserves. And I'm just trying to see if we can get that on the agenda so that we can talk about it and discuss it, possibly next meeting, and see if uh, there's a reason why that got pulled. Because I think it's a, a very important feature, one of the best spends of money that you guys have, as far as I'm concerned. It keeps the kids, as the other uh, people spoke, keeps the kids in a safe place, off the streets, out of trouble. It's, it's a good uh, way to spend money. So I'm not sure why a museum's going in there. To me, it's kind of like a waste, but maybe we can talk about it. I'd like to see that in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. We appreciate your, you coming out tonight and appreciate your perspective. Um, and so now, do I have any more general item public speakers? We have none. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I want to thank those that came out tonight. And the council hears you. And this is, um, this is the opportunity for us to learn from you. So we really appreciate hearing what's important to you and why. And we, um, we enjoy hearing from you. And we take this into consideration. Thank you. Thank you very much. Public comments, pardon me. Oh, okay. We have e-comments. So I have an e-comment from Beth Hurd, and the subject is e-comments. I have an e-comment from Jenny Shoemaker, and the subject is the Boys and Girls Club. I have an e-comment from Myra Pisano, regarding the Boys and Girls Club. I have an email from, e-comment from Crystal Pettis regarding the Boys and Girls Club. I have a e-comment from Sylvia Patino regarding the Boys and Girls Club. We have an e-comment from Myrna Kemp. Ms. Kemp, I think you, oops, I lost her. I think it's the same person that came here tonight regarding the Boys and Girls Club. Um, I have an email from e-comment from Julia Hearn uh, regarding the Boys and Girls Club. I have an email from Alicia Flansberg regarding the Boys and Girls Club. And I have an email from Sean Gordon regarding e-comments. Thank you very much. Each council member has a copy of the e-comments on the dais. But wait, there's more. I have a neat comment from Trina Bretman regarding the Boys and Girls Club, a neat comment from Sarah Burt regarding the Boys and Girls Club, an email from Allison Santala regarding. Um, the museum. I have an email from Alicia Flansberg regarding the Boys and Girls Club. Thank you. Pub just for those of you who may be at your first city council meeting and giving e-comments or giving, um, I'm sorry, public comment, this is your time to tell us uh, how you feel about a subject or what you think about a subject uh, for the council's consideration for future agendizing 
or changing our mind on something. So we appreciate you coming. Um, what it isn't is a time for the council to engage in dialogue with you, um, and we can't do that. We can clarify one item, though, and that is uh, the current sentences of the Boys and Girls Club is not 100 children, it's actually 60. And so we get a daily head count from the Boys and Girls Club. So I can clarify that. The next item is uh, the consent calendar. All matters on the consent calendar be approved in one motion unless a council member, staff, or member of the public requests a separate action on a specific item on the consent calendar. I understand that staff wishes to pull item 4.7 in order to provide a report. Are there any other items needing to be pulled at this time? I'll move the balance. I have a motion for the balance. Do I have a second? Second. 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 All those in favor? Aye. 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 Okay, that's unanimous. Thank you. Uh, <coughs> item 4.7, a resolution amending and restating City Council Policy 4.4 related to the rules and decorum and procedures for City Council meetings. Ms. Cervantes. Thank you very much, Madam Mayor and members of the City Council. Uh, the item before you this evening is a resolution. Uh, passing this resolution establishes rules for decorum at city council meetings. The city council adopted council policy 4.4 in 2004 for the purpose of establishing those rules and regulations which govern the orderly conduct of business during public meetings. And this is in accordance with the government quote code. The policy was amended and restated in 2010 to bifurcate the public comment periods into two 15-minute periods. Since that time, there have been no changes to the policy. Both as a practical matter and recent changes in state law regarding disruptive meeting protocols, staff has been working on an update to Council Policy 4.4. The amended and restated policy is included for adoption by way of Council Resolution. The categories of changes are as follows. Brown Act consistency. Language has been included throughout to mirror the Brown Act. There are several language changes that are immaterial regarding established practice, yet they have been updated to closely track the Brown Act. Order of business and agenda management. Minor changes to the order of business have been made, specifically revising the order of the meetings so that council committee assignment reports council comments, and schedule of future events are listed earlier on the agenda. We made a change earlier this year regarding the schedule of future events, and this memorializes that change in our policies. Consistent with new state law, changes have been made to address procedures for any supplemental items or materials provided after posting of the agenda. Public comments. Revised language tracks the state law to clarify rules regarding speaker identification. Other areas have been modified regarding the disruptive meeting protocol, and at this point, I will now turn the report over to the city attorney to provide information regarding e-comments. Thank you, Ms. City Manager. Good evening, Mayor Gamble, members of the city council. Um, I believe that the city of Rancho Santa Margarita was one of the first cities, at least in Orange County, to institute an e-comments feature on the city's official website many years ago. Um, not all cities have an e-comments feature on their websites. This is because state law, the Brown Act, which is the law governing open meetings and open meeting requirements, does not require cities to have e-comments features on their official city websites. There is no requirement in state law for cities to establish or include an e-comment feature as part of the city council meeting agenda or to implement an e-comments feature as part of the city's locally established open meeting regulations. The Brown Act simply does not recognize e-comments. 
State law includes specific requirements for public comments. I'm going to put that in quotes, public comments, during open and public meetings of local agencies. E-comments are not the same as public comments. I'm going to repeat that so there's no confusion. E-comments are not the same as public comments that are required by state law during council meetings. Under the Brown Act, an e-comment feature available on the city's website is not considered public comments. These two forms of communication are separate and distinct. One is in person, the other one is an electronic form of communication. Under state law, members of the public are entitled to appear before and address the city council on any agendized matter or to speak on a matter that is within the city's subject matter jurisdiction. This is the three-minute rule at the, public, at, the, at the podium. Several years ago, the city council created the concept and began implementing an e-comments feature on the city's official website for the express purpose of creating yet another avenue or way for RSM residents and businesses to provide direct one-way communication to their elected officials. And as a result of COVID-19 and the resulting shutdown, many cities also then began following Rancho and adding an e-comments feature to their official city websites. However, at the end of the pandemic, some cities have chosen to terminate and disable that feature and resume back to normal three-minute public comment requirements. I'm going to reiterate, many cities do not have e-comments, nor are public agencies required by law to have an e-comment feature on their websites. E-comments are not read verbatim. We make that very clear in the city's official website. However, the writings are made part of the administrative record. They are entered into the minutes, um, they're recognized in the minutes, and they are made part of the administrative record. They are not read verbatim and they are not typed verbatim into the minutes, but they are an official record of the city of Rancho Santa Margarita. I'm available if there are any questions. Thank you. Do you have any questions from council members? Madam Mayor? Council Member Holloway. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you for, uh, Greg, for reading that. Um, I was going to talk about that particular issue. With the, um, as you described it with e-comments, we started it about roughly how long ago? When we started, I don't know. I don't remember exactly. It, it's been uh, at least 12 years. Okay. And based on whoever was the mayor, the, the length uh, of the e-comment, verbalization has varied. It's been a little bit different based on the mayor. Uh, and I understand um, the concept because in page 11 or page 6 of 14, page 11 here on, under section C, when it talks about e-comments, um, one of the uh, changes here would be, or the def more, more defining is e-comments will not be read aloud by the presiding officer during the meeting, either verbatim or in summary. So when you talked about administrative, administrative record. So somebody, if we went ahead with this and uh, just was the subject and the name was, was mentioned and somebody wanted to access what was said, they would need to, if you would describe that procedure, literally how, how someone would, what they'd have to walk through to get access to an e-comment via the administrative record? Sure, as a practical matter, there'd be a couple ways. First, a member of the public could hear the name and topic of the e-commenter through the mayor's recognition of e-comments through the audio recording, and then follow up with the city clerk and request a copy. Or 
a member of the public could be in the audience and be made aware of it and then follow up with the city clerk and either serve a Public Records Act request or just simply ask the clerk for a copy of those e-comments. Those e-comments are become a matter of public record. Cities cannot throw away public records. There's a retention a records retention schedule requirement. There is a prescribed period of time for retaining them. And if this topic had to do with a particular land use matter or entitlement or development <coughs> project, e-comments are legally considered to be part of the administrative record, which is something that the court would look at if the matter was taken up on review. So they are entered into the city's official record. <clears throat> Thank you. Sir. So, so the, the, a person would actually, would they have to walk into City Hall or could that process to access administrative record be done over the internet or they actually have to physically come in? It could be done over the internet through the city clerk's uh, city clerk. public okay. record system. And that takes roughly how long to get that? I don't know, Amy probably deals with that. It depends on availability, but it's less than 10 days. And typically on a request like that could be within a couple of days. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so as you described, you know, the Brown Act and how this applies to it and uh, the e-comments, the, the history of it, or at least the practice of it in, in the state. It, it, is it your opinion that either we read from a legal standpoint, because I know we've had conversations about when, when mayors maybe don't have the same approach to reading the entirety of an email, or uh, you know, uh, an email, there might be some issues down the road. So is the best decision here either no, like you like they've been proposed here. Um, name the, the the person that's writing it, and then the general topic, or read everything. If you if you had your if it, either one, I'm not saying what I know. Your opinion is, I assume this is your opinion that you think mm -hmm. um, it should be not read in verbatim. But mm -hmm. one of those one of those decisions has to be made. Is that a fair, you know, we, we need to clarify yes. and, and make sure that we don't have different levels of reading the e-comments by the mayor. Is that fair enough? So, in my opinion, e-comments should be applied fairly and equally. That, that's the most important thing. There should be no unequal treatment of e-comments depending on the speaker and or viewpoints as to do so could potentially result in what's considered to be improper viewpoint discrimination because a city council meeting is a limited public forum, so there is a whole body of First Amendment law that applies. The recommendation that's in your packet tonight isn't so much my recommendation or the city manager's recommendation, it's what the council intended many years ago when e-comments were first instituted. This was how the council did it for many, many years, and slowly over time there's been a little bit of confusion as to what to do and how to handle them, in updating Council Policy 4.4 to address disorderly conduct due to recent disorderly behavior, ongoing disorderly behavior, we felt that this was also an opportunity to address e-comments and just remind the Council that this was your policy, this was how it was originally enacted, this how it was administered for many years. I think we sort of lost sight of that after COVID a little bit, so we want to bring the Council back into focus. Good point. And, and back then when this when this was enacted, it's a different council than we have tonight. And as I remember it, part of it was 
of people's ability to come to a meeting and voice their opinion. That was part of the motivation to allow this to happen because it's not, like you say, it's not a, a, re a requirement. We want to give people as many opportunities to speak their mind as they could. Those that might not be able to be here in person, et cetera, um, understand that. So there's a, to me, there's obviously the choice here, and it sounds like from a legal standpoint, if we decided to read these e-comments in their entirety, or we decided to do what's been proposed here, just gen or the topic, both of those actions would be legal. Is that yeah, they would be. That's a policy choice for the council. There's a third option, which is to follow suit with many cities, which is no e-comments. If e-comments are gonna create confusion or for members of the public or for council members, or for any reason become controversial, or as a result of some recent disorderly behavior conduct, if e-comments somehow or another become abused or inappropriate comments are being made and making a mockery of this public body or board, my recommendation would be to immediately terminate e-comments. Remove the feature, disable it. It's not required, it's not necessary. This was a additional electronic communication feature that this city council enacted to have further outreach and communication with residents if it's becoming too difficult for either the council or for the public, terminate it. Yeah, I don't see that as becoming difficult to have e-comments. I, I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Backing up to that, if someone were at the podium here and became abusive and violated the, the, the uh, policies and protocol that we have now, there's, there are steps to remove them and uh, make, address right. that, correct? Yeah, now that's public comments. That's right. not e-comments, and when that occurs, we now have state law protection. The state of California has recognized this inappropriate conduct and has finally said enough is enough and has removed many of the legal barriers that were previously in place. So now all we have to do is provide a warning and that individual will be ejected from this council chamber as we have now seen time and time again, probably more than any city for whatever reason. How does that apply to an e-comment, the, the verbiage? When someone's publicly speaking, mm -hmm. is it the verbiage or the me demeanor that's more of an issue with the city attorney and violating yeah. statutes and laws? It, it has nothing to do with the verbal. The words being expressed are irrelevant. The legal standard is the public speaker is standing before the legislative body and is engaging in conduct or behavior that is actually disrupting, disturbing, or impeding the ability of the council to feasibly conduct this meeting. And all that is legally required is to make a warning, and when they don't heed the warning, the law allows the council to eject that individual so that business of this council can continue. No, I'm all for that. I'm not, I, I probably misled you with my, my question. Yeah. So the, the verbiage that someone, would, if, they, if they were calm and friendly with their uh, statements, yeah. There's no violation. No violation. So if someone had an e-comment and said the same thing that maybe was disturbing to, for people to hear, there's not a violation of what they're saying. So in theory, it could be an e-comment or a verbal comment live, correct? I that can't, would be, that I can't be, imagine any scenario where an e-comment would actually disrupt or, dis, or impede the ability to conduct the meeting. It's in writing. So there's no actual misconduct occurring. I agree with you 100%. So that being said, um, to get to my point here, if the option is to not read comments, e-comments at all, um, 
verbally during a meeting is the answer. I, I don't agree with that. I think it's, we haven't had an issue that, you, you, the potential of what you're saying exists, mm -hmm. but if it became a problem, then we could change the policy. I don't, this isn't something that's gonna be in concrete. I have a problem if we don't verbalize, if, if it's one end or the other, I, I get it, but I, have a, I don't agree with not reading e-comments into the record. We don't get that many. The ones that we get, if we get a lot of them, it's a big issue where people should be heard. For whatever reason, they're not here. I get That's their business, not ours. So we, since we have to have one end of the spectrum or the other, um, in my opinion, we should read them verbatim into the record. And I know we get to that, because that's, that's, that's part of what I'm talking about here. My second item here, and I'll come back to this one in a second, is just to clarify. Under item eight, city council agendas, this is page 14 and 15 at the top, nine and 10 of the page, the, the, the different page numbers here. There's a little bit change in order of our business. On item five, if it, if it moves forward, it would be council member comments, reports earlier in the night than it, later in the night, which is fine, I, I have no problem with that. And I understand the concept of it. If something is said in practice during a meeting that we wanted to comment, maybe uh, someone said something that we felt was appropriate to respond to at some level at the end of the meeting because it came after item five because item five comes before public comments. Would we be able to, under 15 matters presented by the mayor and council members, speak to something similar that we would do um, in the new item five, like, you know, based on, as an example, uh, a member of the uh, audience said something earlier tonight and I wanna respond to that. Would that fit under the new number 15 here? <coughs> the reason I bring it up is I don't want us to not have the opportunity to answer questions that might come up that we have been able to answer under the other. Right, so yeah. so the scenario that you would be talking about if some some uh, comment was made, say it was either under public comments or it was an item on the agenda that a member of the public was talking about and you wanted to make a brief uh, co comment about that, ask clarification, direct it to staff, you could still do that. Okay. There, there would be no, no problem with that at that moment in time. Okay, I just didn't want to make sure we had that opportunity to, to respond if we, you know, in a brief manner like you said. That's the only other questions I have, so going back to this, um, this item, um, I'm going to move item 4.7 in its entirety other than the last, uh, par or last sentence under item 11, or section C, persons addressing the city council, from e-comments will not be read aloud by the presiding officer during the meeting either verbatim or in summary two, e-comments will be read in their entirety by the presiding officer during the meeting. That's my motion. Can we comment? Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, do I have a second? Are we gonna be able to comment? Yeah, sure. I just wanted to check, <laughs> and so uh, I do have I was just out of uh, point of order, I think uh, we were at the point of uh, council member questions of mm -hmm. those staff member staff. Okay, excellent. So I'm going to turn to you, council member Figueroa. Um, well, I don't have any questions, but I just have a comment. So are we mm -hmm. doing questions first? Questions. Council member McGurk, go ahead. I have no questions. Okay. I, 
I think the point of order is we have questions and we have public comment during this break in process. Okay, so I have a comment, so I'll mm -hmm. wait. Very good. Thank you. So we'll take public comments. And I have one speaker on this item, Chris McLaughlin. Thanks, Chris. I'm sorry I screwed you up the last time. Welcome. Thank you. Happy New Year. Stay Happy helpful. New Year to you, too. We can still say that till February 1st, right? Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. It's my first meeting. Chris and I are the only ones that have to raise that all the way to the top. <laughs> Cutting into my time. Um, so I want to make a couple brief points and then one a little more involved. Uh, I have a question, too. Uh, I, uh, the first one was, why is this in the consent calendar versus new business, and I'm glad that got sorted out. Um, we're now talking about it, which is fantastic. Uh, the other thing was the overall tone for me is a little too anti-First Amendment, rules of decorum. One of them is not to be loud, which I think is, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Um, so I wanted to read point six, um, just so everyone knows. What page are you on? Uh, well, it's page eight, mm -hmm. uh, or and also okay. page three or fourteen. Got it. Um, I think it's D six. It says the city council may not prohibit public criticism of the policies, procedures, programs, or services of the city, or of the acts or omissions of the city council. A speaker may not be stopped from making from speaking during public comments because either the presiding officer or members of the city council disagree with a personal viewpoint being expressed. So that to me sort of underscores the most important thing here is that we're still allowed to, as I say, uh, tell city council how you really feel on, on what whatever is happening in our town. So um, all the stuff about abusive language and don't be loud, and I can understand the format that uh, you, know, you know who continually violates, and that's what a lot of this is inspired by, but as far as you know, being even angry or, you know, really upset. I think if you can't handle that, if you're allergic to criticism, you shouldn't be a public elected official. That's like a, you know, bedrock fundamental uh, principle of our country. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that's a little more involved that I think, I don't know where this comes from. I'm not sure if it's rooted in state law or if it's just something someone made up or what everyone does. But the part about you guys don't want to be, like, directly spoken to, I, I don't quite understand that because... You're not uh, like five clones of the same people. I know in the past city council members have said, you know, we're a vibrant, you know, we have some differences, we have this vibrant debate, we're not all the same person. So this continual thing about like, well, you don't want to single anybody out or, you know, because you don't all take the same actions. You're not on the same spectrum. And the most important thing about that is that the real like the letter of the Brown Act is to provide transparency into government decision-making. But the reason why we need to be transparent and know how decisions are made is so that we can decide who to vote for or who not to vote for. And so the idea that like you're all the same and, and don't point out what different people do, I just think that's like unenforceable. I, I don't know how you plan to, uh, you know, I don't know, remove somebody because they point out what someone did. I, I don't know. So I think that I think that part's bogus. Okay, thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. And thanks for coming out tonight. And so I'm going to flip this back to the city attorney if you have any comments regarding or clarify, clarifications yeah, that was on a this lot. item. I was, I was trying to keep track of it. Mm -hmm. um, most of it I agree with. I, I don't think the speaker was off. Um, there was a portion where he was expressing concern 
why cannot public speakers come and be angry and uh, maybe get a little bit loud and maybe forcefully exert their opinion on the council? None of that is a problem. It becomes a problem when it crosses the line where it actually impedes the ability of the council to conduct the meeting. And I liked how he phrased it. There's a certain individual that continuously does that, and I can tell you the last speaker does not do that and speaks with passion and speaks you know, eloquently about his position and his opinions, but does not take it to the next level of screaming and yelling and carrying on in a tantrum to the point where the council can no longer conduct this meeting and is disregarding the instructions and the reasonable regulations established by the council after being warned. That is what's grounds and, and for And yielding time, which I believe is And that's a specific to, example. Okay. And that will be grounds for ejection. <coughs> mm -hmm. And I, the only other comment is it's very common in rules of procedures. It is appropriate and professional to address the city council as a whole. It is not appropriate and is disruptive to take the three-minute opportunity to berate an individual council member. That is just not a, that is not part of the city's established rules of decorum. That's not what this council is about. That's not what the official business of the city is about. Members of the public can convey their comment without turning it into a personal attack. You should be addressing the city council as an entirety. It is the board that makes the decisions. Thank you. Do I have comments from council members? Council Member Figaro. Thank you very much, uh, Madam Mayor. Um, you know, the e-comments portion of the meeting is, is important to me. Um, not all our residents can come to meetings when they want to. Um, so to me, it's very important to hear from them still. So I would want to continue to read into the record the resident's name on the e-comment and the topic that um, of interest that they have. So um, I still would like to continue this portion of the meeting. To me, it was one good thing that came out of COVID, I think, that um, there's another way for people to address us other than being here, which is often difficult. So um, that's my comment um, on e-comments. Thank you. Very good, thank you. Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Madam Mayor, and I'll be mm -hmm. brief because I can't speak very well. <laughs> right now, I wouldn't be in favor of uh, eliminating e-comments. I think it's important. I know you that said you would not. I would not be okay. in favor of eliminating e-comments uh, for the very same reasons that uh, Councilmember Figueroa just illuminated. There are some people who are just unable to come down to a city council meeting, <clears throat> and even though there are a lot of cities that don't have e-comments, um, that's that's fine. But I, I would not want to eliminate e-comment opportunities for those who, for whatever reason, I think. Councilmember Holloway said it's their business as to whether they come down or not on a Wednesday evening. And so I, I think that's important. The purpose of the e-comments is to notify, if you will, or address the city council as to a concern. <clears throat> and uh, I can just assure the public, we read these e-comments. We get them. We sit here in the dais. In fact, we started late tonight because we had so many e-comments that we had to read. I, I didn't count how many, but we had quite a few. And there are, there are incidents where we come in and there's just a lot of e-comments to read. And uh, if it requires us to start late, we start late. Um, so the important thing is, in my mind, um, uh, that the council has the opportunity to avail themselves of the comments that are being made uh, by email uh, from various members of the public and then folks like uh, with Mr. McLaughlin or others who spoke tonight have the opportunity to speak to us as well. So um, 
I, I appreciate the fact that the staff prepared these rules of decorum and procedure. <clears throat> in my time sitting up here, I have not seen that, and so I appreciate it that it's been done in the first place. Um, it'll give uh, some more guidance uh, down the road. So those, those are my comments. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. So uh, I, have a few, I have a few comments about e-comments. First is I'm happy to hear the clarification from the city attorney that e-comments are not public comments. Uh, when this policy of creating e-comments was created in 2010, the purpose of it was for members of the public that couldn't come down here to communicate with their city council members how they felt or what they believed either in support or opposition to a topic. Um, and so what I think has become confusing during COVID is that was the only opportunity that people had to communicate with us on the council uh, because they weren't allowed to come here. So e-comments were used in substitution of public comment. We no longer have that situation. So I appreciate staff's desire to clarify this because I think having gone through COVID and had the change in um, procedures during that time and for a time thereafter uh, created some confusion and misunderstanding uh, in the public. And it certainly uh, wasn't that clear to us either. So I, I do not wish to have e-comments read aloud verbatim. I'm fine with uh, e-comments submitted and being acknowledged, even though that's not a requirement of this body. Uh, but I don't believe there is any other city uh, in polling all the similar cities that we work with that um, acknowledge even receiving e-comments on the dais, let alone reading them verbatim. Um, so I think we have an additional opportunity that we're providing to our residents, and I'm happy to clarify it. I would be in favor of e-comments uh, will be acknowledged by the presiding officer uh, in summary. Uh, and I, I could get behind that, because I think that sounds like a potential substitute motion. Um, uh, Madam Mayor, mm -hmm. that we would not recommend uh, summarizing because there is. Oh, I uh, I know too, exactly what you're going to say. Too much discretion yeah. in summarizing, and it could lead to a situation where um, different e-comments are summarized differently, right. and therefore they are not treated the same. Or the presiding officer may misunderstand. May misunderstand right. the intent of the. E so, and that that's that's an issue, and that's what e that's why e-comments are not public comments. Um, uh, I'm going to uh, call, uh, if we have a second, to Councilmember Holloway's um, motion. Do we have a, a second to Councilmember Holloway's can, motion? Can we repeat that again? I'm Council, sorry, say that one more time. Yeah, Councilmember Holloway, you made a motion right. at the end of your to uh, have e-comments acknowledged, read aloud by the presiding officer uh, verbatim. Correct. That's the motion. Well, that's the motion the was in its entirety as 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 um, 
shown here, except for that exception, the last sentence. The last sentence on page 11, item 11. Right. His, his right. motion is to move the staff recommendation subject to amending the last sentence of section 3C11 to make mm -hmm. it clear that e-comments will be read verbatim by the presiding officer during the meeting. That, that is the motion that's, that's on, the motion on the there floor. There has not been a second yet. Do we have a second? Okay, very good. So, do I have a substitute motion? New motion. New motion. New motion. Mm -hmm. um, well, I'll make a motion that e-comments should be read. Um, the name of the resident should be read into the record, as well as, as the topic of what needs to be in their concern that needs to be discussed. Um, I feel like that should be read into the record. As a council member, I want to know what our residents are thinking. So e-comments are important to me, and um, that would be the motion, I guess. So moving, moving staff recommendations. Staff recommendations. Sta well, staff recommendation says they'll not be read aloud by the presiding officer during the meeting, either verbatim or in summary. But it doesn't have clarifying language that says the presiding officer will announce the e e-comments received by the name. Sentence above that. Go one sentence above it. E-comments will be provided on the diocese with the receipt of e-comments acknowledged by the presiding officer or their designee, general topic. Do we have a, uh, I never get an e-comment. You know, it talks about agenda item. Can we change it to agenda item or topic? You have that on, when you go into the portal, there's that it's feature. It's in there? Because mm -hmm. all I get is a report that says agenda item. Yeah. And sometimes it's not an agenda item. Okay. So we can make that, that more clear. Yeah, okay. That would be helpful. So uh, the motion is to, um, for staff's recommendation. Point, point of clarification, yeah. mm -hmm. Madam Mayor. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Councilman so Holloway. The motion, as I'm hearing it, just to, is the way that the mayor read the comments tonight where it was a name, if the name was provided, even though it doesn't have to be provided, and then the subject matter. That's, that's the entirety of what would be read into the minutes, right? And just okay. to define this, a little bit more point of clarification, if someone wanted to access the e-comments of a resident, they would need to make contact. It's not in the minutes, so they wouldn't read it in the minutes. They would actually need to make contact with city clerk, ask for a public records um, via public records process, and get it that way up to ten days. Just want to clarify that. It sounds like the same process that a member of the public could ask for any email sent to Carol Gamble on, you know, a particular topic. If it, if it wasn't read, in the, if it was read in the minutes, then they just go to the minutes. I mean, we get Public Records Act requests for something that isn't, in, you know, a call of Carol Gamble's emails ever sent, you know, in January. You can get all sorts of Public Records Act requests. Hey, keep, keep, go ahead. I, I was going to uh, provide information that um, we we will also be placing a copy of the e-comments that are received by the council at the dais on the evening of the meeting in the back of the room in a packet so anyone that's here can look at them at that point in time. And typically, if someone emails Amy and uh, she's uh, available, 
that she will respond with that's a simple that's a simple public records request that's not one that's going to take typically up to 10 days unless she were you know on vacation but then we have a deputy i mean typically that kind of request uh, it's not collecting researching documents collecting documents she has that information at her fingertips it would not take a 10 days to to retrieve that it's a point of clarification is that something that's been going on or is that something that would be new no, I, I would say that uh, the city clerk recently has received requests for e-comments, and uh, how long has it taken you to provide those those recently? Generally, same day. Hmm. And as point of clarification, if I may, um, I do always have copies back here as well, and uh, resident McLaughlin has requested copies after a meeting, and I've provided it to him. Um, oh. And tonight we do have copies of all the e-comments in the back of the room um, with the agenda packet as well. So they're available during the meeting and then obviously yes. taken off after the meeting, mm -hmm. okay. Um, just a final comment, if I can, Madam Mayor. Um, Certainly. You know, I, I see this as uh, a pretty restrictive move on something that's actually never come up, never been a problem. It potentially could be if mayors were not consistent in uh, the level of how long they read the emails. I get that, 100% agree with that, uh, city attorneys. But, I, but I, ha I do think it's not the best interest of our residents to not have these emails read into the record. It's an easier access because, again, it's people that aren't here that to hear these things. Um, you know, the people that can pick them up in the meeting are here. The people that aren't here are the ones that are going to be in benefit to either hear them <coughs> Um, if they listen to the live feed or they can just go to the, it's easier access. I mean, it's a lot more work to access these via the public record system. So, I mean, I, I see the direction of the council, but I just wanted to um, finish with that, that I, I, it, it's, a, it's not a problem and it's, I, I, I'm having difficulty understanding why we're fixing something that's not an issue. So I'll leave it at that. Councilmember Figueroa. Um, I was wondering if I could offer a suggestion. On, on page 11, um, the sentence at the bottom of the paragraph, um, just for clarification, um, e-comments will be provided on the dais to the city council at the meeting, and receipt of e-comments by the city will be acknowledged out loud by the presiding officer. I think that might be an important addition, just because the way that this sentence reads right now, acknowledged doesn't have to actually mean verbally, correct? I mean, we could just say there's e-comments. Yeah, we could add it out loud if, if that was the council's preference. Also, I think that might clarify, and the general topic is, is important to, to mention as well. And so remember, when an e-comment is received regarding an agendized item, individual council members can talk about that e-comment in their discussion and deliberation. Councilmember Holloway, during item 5.3, hypothetically regarding lighting and landscaping at you know, the dog park, could comment on a e-comment submitted by Chris McLaughlin, who would like to talk about the lack of landscaping or how good the landscaping is. Council members can acknowledge e-comments and use them and incorporate them as part of their discussion, deliberation, or basis for their decision. Just like we would incorporate receiving email in our personal Even, yeah, email address. I received okay. a direct email from, from resident Chris McLaughlin regarding landscaping on Santa Margarita Parkway. You could incorporate that in your discussion and deliberation. 
Madam Mayor? Yes, certainly, Councilmember Holloway. In the example that you just gave, um, a resident sent an e-comment on an agenda item, and I wanted to, I'm talking about that item, and I referenced um, that an email was received by Mr. So-and-so, and here was the subject. Does this, this new policy restrict me from talking about any part of the email that that person referenced? Like as an example, um, Mr. Smith has said in an email in this item, and I talk a little bit about part of that email so as, as it relates to my discussion. Unable to do that, correct? Based on this. If you're talking about an agendized item? Yes. You can bring it up and discuss it, whether it's an email to you or it's an e-comment on that agendized item, you can discuss it. So can I, I understand I can discuss it. Can I read it and it's verbatim? Yes. I can. Yes. On an agenda, agendized, agendized item, item, I can read. So can the mayor read it in verbatim, an agenda item, but not in public comments? I assume so. If I could do it, anybody could do it, right? No, it's the Brown Act. You cannot discuss or deliberate a non-agendized item. Okay. So it can be read in, verbatim, in its verbatim mm -hmm. on that agendaized item. This doesn't preclude that. Okay. I, get I didn't know that. Thank you for that clarification. Any further council member comments? Questions? So it, I do have one question. Um, if we have uh, members of the public that submit e-comments and then they come to public comment uh, on the exact same topic with the exact same position, how do we address that? My recommendation would be to allow both. Okay. Mm -hmm. do well, we, is this an agendized item or a, um, a just a general public comment? It could be either. Well, a general public comment item would be, um, you would acknowledge it with, you know, um, resident, We have a general public resident, comment regarding the dog park. submitted an e-comment okay. regarding, you know, topic Y, um, and then they would have the ability to actually make their comment in person because you will not have read their e-comment in, in verbatim. Right. So they wouldn't be violating the three minutes. We wouldn't be violating providing them the three minutes. Okay, I got it. Madam Mayor? Yes. Sorry again. Mm -hmm. I just no, no, it's okay. What, it's an important topic. To that point, and that's actually more frequent than you know, troubling e-comments. E I mean, it'll, it'll come up. You'll have somebody that has both. So say, define that again for me. So if someone thought, comes we up saw and it tonight. Go we, ahead. we saw it tonight in an example regarding the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, a couple e-comments were made regarding the topic. I believe we had two speakers mm -hmm. that spoke on the item. Yes. That's the way to do it. That's correct. Should what you've just said be codified? No. No, it doesn't need to be. It's just a, a recommendation, not a... It's, it's the appropriate procedure. It's the appropriate process under the Brown Act. It, it, it's in here. It, oh, it's, it's, okay, it, so it's, it's written this way. That e, because e-comments are not public comments. They're two separate things. E-comments are addressed by acknowledging the name of the speaker or a name of the, the submitter yeah. and their general uh, topic. And public comments are addressed under public comments as a bona fide public comment at a public meeting. They're both in there. I forgot. They are there. Got it. Okay. Thank you very much. So it, it makes sense to me. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say, so what the issue of this topic is fairness. 
that everyone gets treated the same way. So if you like an e-comment, you're not reading it out loud about some flowery compliment um, to the council. And if you don't like the e-comment, you're not um, brushing that under the rug. Right. So fairness and equal treatment. Fairness and equal treatment. Mm -hmm. So if you have, if you read an e-comment in verbatim um, about how uh, much they like um, the dog park, and then that same person comes and speaks for three minutes about how much they like the dog park or don't like the dog park, would that be giving that unique speaker more time than an other speaker? Good question. The answer is no, because under the Brown Act, under state law, they are legally entitled to stand at that podium for three minutes and discuss with you any agendized item or anything that's within the council's subject matter jurisdiction. The Brown Act doesn't recognize e-comments, okay. so that's an alternative means of communication that the council is allowing, so that's why it would be double. That'd be, so some people would get a, a dual opportunity mm -hmm and some people would not. Yeah. yeah, that I have a problem with. Yeah, I think everyone should get the same treatment, yeah. whether or not they're, they're criticizing us or complimenting us. I, I think they need to be treated the same. Mm -hmm. uh, Council Member Figueroa, I believe you made the last a motion that indicate e-comments will be provided on the dais. The City Council received the e-comments suited by acknowledged orally, right, verbally. Out loud. Yeah, out loud by the presiding officer or the designee, indicating the submitter's name and general topic. E-comments will not be read aloud by the presiding officer during the meeting, either <coughs> verbatim or in summary. Okay. So that ensures that during the beginning of the meeting that all e-comments received will be acknowledged by the mayor from the name of the resident as well as the topic that they're wishing to discuss. Second. Are we, I have a second to that motion. Uh, do I have any comments? Yes, Madam Council Mayor. Member Holloway. I'm gonna, I just want to, just for the record, I'm, I'm gonna be voting no on this for, simply for that particular part of section 11 on, on, on page six of 14. I agree with everything else that's been proposed other than that, so that's the reason for, gonna be the reason for my no vote. And your, your desire is to have the e-comments read verbatim? Correct. Thank you. I have an e-comment from Beth Hurd, and I believe I misstated the topic. Uh, and the topic was e-comments. Thank you. Very good. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And those opposed? No. Councilmember Holloway is lone opposition. Thank you very much, colleagues <coughs> and, and staff, for a spirited debate. Really good points. Clarifying this so we have no further confusion. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, item number Let's see, where I lost me. 
Uh, item number five, public hearing items, we have none. Item number six, continued items, we have none. Item number seven, new business, we have none. Item number eight, public comments, this is their second opportunity to address the city council on any matter not listed on the agenda. That's within the subject matter of jurisdiction of the city. Do I have any additional requests to speak? There are none. Thank you very much. Uh, item number nine, city manager report. I have nothing this evening. Thank you very much. Thank you. Item number 10, matters presented by the mayor and council members. Committee assignment reports, 10.1, the Foothill Eastern Transportation Corridor. Our representative to that agency is Council Member Beal, who's absent this evening. So we look forward to his report at the next meeting. Item 10.2, uh, Council Member reports and comments. I'll start to my left. Council Member Holloway. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, just wanted to uh, thank all those that were involved with, or have been involved with the enforcement of the health code uh, health code uh, in reference to the taco stands. Um, since the last enforcement activity, ha they haven't been back. I think it's some of it may be because of the rain. Um, the rain didn't rain last night and they weren't there, so I think it's going on about seven days. So hopefully um, an entity that was willing to <coughs> violate all kinds of codes and laws and statutes have decided to do it somewhere else because the city chose to um, enforce the law. And I applaud those that were part of it. Sheriff's Department, Code Enforcement, Health Department, City Staff, all, who am I missing? Jennifer, anybody else I missed that was part of that? Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, Probably there we go. Yeah. Um, so thanks to those that were part of it. Um, I'm hoping that um, they either follow the law or don't come back. Thank you. Councilmember Figueroa? Nothing tonight, thank you. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem. Mayor Pro Tem, you just look like you feel awful. So sorry. I hope you feel better. Um, uh, I have a few items, and I will be brief. I mean, really brief. Um, I, first, I want to um, thank uh, the Rancho Santa Margarita Chamber of Commerce. I attended a meeting uh, two nights ago that was probably one of the best meetings that you go to every year. Um, and it's where all of the various organizations, the Rotary Club, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, Sam Lark is there in attendance, uh, and the city, of course. And we uh, work together on ca calendar items and actually items of mutual interest. So, for example, we, we as the city aren't planning to have an event on the exact same day that Sam Lark is planning Animals Everywhere, for example. Uh, we also hear from uh, RSM Cares. And I can't begin to tell you how impressive uh, Sherry Lex is with RSM Cares. This is really uh, an outstanding organization. And we talked a little bit about uh, how people, one of the questions I get asked, I know you guys get asked this too, is people going, you know, I, I have a few hours a week. I'd like to volunteer. I don't know where to start, where to go, uh, whatever. And so we talked a little bit about you know, having various links on our mutual websites where if people went to Samlark, they could see volunteer opportunities for not only Samlark, but other uh, opportunities in town. And I think that's a great idea. We have just such a wonderful group of residents. Um, you know, they help us learn, and you share your pin opinions, and you help us uh, with all sorts of public um, opportunities and public service here in the city, and Zero Trash, for example. Uh, so it was an excellent meeting. I want to thank them. 
And speaking on uh, the item of the taco vendors, I, uh, city manager and I had a meeting this afternoon with Sam Lark, and the damage that's being done to Sam Lark property, which is our property, owned by the people who live in Rancho Santa Margarita and pay the dues, is, is tremendous. And so one of the things that we talked about is maybe Sam Lark might want to let their dues-paying members know that when they remediate and repair the damage that's left behind by the taco vendors, these are all costs that are going to be absorbed by their dues-paying members. Uh, and that may give some people some pause uh, to um, not go and patronize uh, these taco vendors because they're actually damaging our property. We, we uh, the residents within the Sandlark sphere, actually own that property. It's our joint ownership. It's private property owned by the residents. Um, and so not only that, they're pouring their grease in the gutter and the amount of street cleaning that has to be done is astronomical. And then we have you know, the potential for MPDES violations for our water treatment. And the fact that none of these taco vendors uh, have a health permit, I'm not sure that every member of the public knows. But the interesting thing that came up and that you know, Sam Lark, uh, a board president and the executive director, are happy to acknowledge is they want to redirect the Sam Lark members to patronize the businesses in Rancho Santa Margarita that have permits, that follow the rules, that have uh, safe food handling procedures, that are disposing of not only their trash, but their grease, uh, and they're paying their employees fair wages. And um, they assist in the vibrancy of our community. Uh, it would not be to Rancho Santa Margarita's benefit to have our shopping centers empty and have you know, all of the street corners occupied by unlicensed and unpermitted uh, food vendors. So uh, they acknowledge that, and I th they're going to work on some means of communication uh, with their membership, and I think that would be very helpful, just FAQs and really some important facts. So I want to do a shout-out to them and thank them very much. And my last shout-out tonight and compliment is to uh, Shane Mall. Our, yeah, yeah, look at you back there. Hi. Um, our division chief from OCFA, uh, Shane put together a meeting for me last Friday where uh, I, I and a resident who was interested and actually accepted for an interview at OCFA could uh, understand what that interview process was like. I learned so much about the interview process and how nerve-wracking it is. And it was really interesting because we had a number of, uh, that Shane arranged a couple of uh, new um, members that really had just gone through the process. So they're still on probation. And they were able to describe how difficult it was. And in walking away from that, the one thing that the, the um, applicant said is he couldn't believe how generous uh, the members of OCFA have been. Uh, anytime he's had a question, so he's walked in the fire station, he's learned things, he's met firefighters just you know, standing in line at Starbucks. And every one of them, and I believe this is also true of our, our colleagues in police services, they say, what can I do to help you? you know, how, do you need some information? 
And I'm not exactly sure that's the treatment you would get if you walked into Microsoft and said, hey, I'm going to have an interview. Can I learn about it? I don't think you get that level of, of excitement and help and a, deep, a really deep desire to help an applicant uh, be successful. So, Shane, I want to thank you so much for putting that together. It's really informative for me. And as a member of the board, I appreciate that. And with that, thank you. Uh, I'm going to adjourn the meeting to the next regular meeting of the city council, which will be held on Valentine's Day, February oh, my 14th. Love that. I know. My wife's gonna I know. Be She's going to hate me forever. At 7 p.m. in the city council chambers. Thank you all for coming out tonight. We appreciate your your input. Thank you.